welcome to the Purposed Marriage Podcast. If you are in a marriage that is damaged or broken and think all hope is lost, we invite you to listen in to today's broadcast. We pray that through this ministry, you will find biblical encouragement and instruction that will lead you and your spouse to a closer walk with the Lord and each other. God can and does heal marriages no matter how desperate or impossible the circumstances may appear to be. And now, here is today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Larson. With me, as always, is my wife, Amy Larson. Amy, go ahead and say hello. Hello. I want to welcome you all to the show today. Uh, It's been a couple weeks since we've been on. A lot has happened uh, in our culture, society, country, the world. Uh, Amy, why don't you go ahead and explain what uh, we've seen and observed and um, how this whole coronavirus uh, has affected us? Well, I think we started very early. I'm not sure about the rest of America, but we started um, very early self-quarantine, like kept our entire family away from the public. Uh, We have been staying indoors and making our way between our house and our farmland that we have about a mile away. Um, We've also been caring for some people that have uh, immune suppressed systems. So we've tried to be extra careful about not being in public, not being around others and um, extreme social distancing as I would call it. Yeah, it's an interesting time Uh, that we're living through right now. And I think many of us are hoping and praying that this season passes quickly. We're not in it for too terribly long, but uh, we've shared before how I think uh, this crisis so many of us are facing right now presents itself as a real opportunity for Christians to uh, make a difference in this world. And uh, even in the cases of relationships that are strained, marriages that are on the rocks, and uh, things that uh, standards are dealing with. I I think uh, this episode in our history is presenting us with uh, better chances to do things than we might not normally have opportunities to. Yes. In other words, our prodigals might find themselves in situations where they are more in need of your support and sympathy uh, than previously, you know, before this episode hit. So uh, I want to go ahead and say, be be asking the Lord for ways that uh, He can continue to use you and even use you uh, more greatly during this time uh, to be a witness to your spouse uh, and others. Uh, Well, our, our our theme verse today is Proverbs 10.12. Let's go ahead and read that now. Uh, This is coming from the ESV. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. With this verse in mind, the question asked in today's podcast, Are You Offended?, we found to be quite appropriate given today's emotionally charged atmosphere related to our culture, politics, religion, and current events. Spend any time on social media and you will find no shortage of hate, 
anger, and vitriol coming from all sides of the spectrum. But as it relates to marriage, divorce, and standing, you are in all likelihood quite familiar with the many faces of offense, whether it's dealing with verbal threats, insults, or passive-aggressive type behavior. Our focus today attempts to present a biblical perspective on how to effectively deal with these types of encounters you may have or are currently facing with your prodigal spouse. So our first question today, it'll go to Amy. Uh, Let me go ahead and ask that. Amy, when we began our journey into the season of our life that we refer to as the pause, Uh, Can you provide some examples of the type of things that were offensive to you as it related to my behavior? And while while you're sharing those, um, if you would explain why they were offensive to you. Okay. Well, this is a pretty easy one. Um, Pretty much during our pause, everything was offensive to me. Um, You breathing even mm. seemed to offend me. Um, Is that like I had bad breath was offensive or just my ver- no, mere just, existence Just the was fact offensive. of your existence, uh, your, yes. your, very, your very existence. Um, in all seriousness, though, there were several things in particular that offended me. And um, the first being any time that Tommy would listen to Christian music or I heard him, you know, turn on the car and there was Christian music playing. And that was offensive to me because in previous years, um, I had always enjoyed Christian music and would listen to it. And he was not in a place where that was, um, not, I wouldn't use the word acceptable, but he didn't care for Christian music, and uh, he would politely, and sometimes impolitely, ask me to turn it off, um, or just kind of poke fun, because he would, you know, say that some of the musicians were less than par, and, you know, Christian music wasn't all that great, and, and so the fact that he was playing Christian music... It was just like, what do you mean? Now you're going to listen to Christian music now that we're, you know, separated. Um, I felt like he was trying to show me how holy and righteous he was and how he... Did you did you just see it as phony yes. at the time? So it was fake and contrived. It was Nothing completely genuine about fake. It. Yes, it, it was mm. just... I saw it as well. He's a, he's attempting to show me. Oh, well, now I'm I'm a good Christian by by listening to Christian music. And are, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, I'm curious. Are are we talking about the time when our littlest was in the hospital, and we were forced to spend time together? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, that uh, that was because that that's I think where um, I, I first started showing some of these outward signs that you were seeing on a uh, regular basis. We were, we were confined to the same hospital room for, I think it was two or three days, because our littlest had a, uh, he got a piece of a, of a nut stuck a in, his, yeah, in yes. his lungs, right? And yeah. so uh, we were there together. Prior to this, we had been maintaining... Um, distance. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I had already put myself in another apartment. And so the time we were spending together um, wasn't much. So this was something that uh, was brought upon us that sort of forced us to be together. And so for a period of uh, three to four weeks, maybe a month, uh, the Lord was working in my heart and changing me, my behavior, and that was manifesting itself outwardly by me making different choices. Right. Rather than listening to uh, the type of music I had then, which I'm a, I'm a fan <laughs> of 80s metal, all right? And I, and I love the genre, but to be perfectly honest with you, uh, so much of the uh, content in terms of lyrics and what was promoted uh, during that decade uh, was, was quite sinful. Uh, and I had, of course, been filling my mind with that for years and years, and uh, I gravitated toward that. And I, I think on some levels, uh, the music was uh, further callousing me um, and making me uh, not quite as bothered when it comes to how I should view certain sins. I was, I was accepting things more. Right. I'm not blaming it on the music, but no. uh, again, garbage in, garbage out. Right. You know, and it wasn't helping. It wasn't helping me grow in my faith. So, you know, when the Lord got my attention and I started changing my listening habits, it's not to say that I don't still like the genre. I just changed the, uh, the types of groups that I was listening to, right? right? Rather than the, uh, the pop metal that was out there, I was like, well, I, there are groups out there that I can still listen okay. to the genre. Let's go ahead yeah. and plug your favorite band. Okay, big fan of Striper. <laughs> I wasn't going to do that until you, you, uh, you prodded say, me here. Yeah, I will yeah. say, this is a little side note, but um, for his birthday one year, I bought him Striper tickets. And it just so happened that one of the other bands that was touring with him, um, Manic Drive, I ended up loving them, and so um, they're kind of along the same lines of striper. Not quite as hardcore as, quite as hard, but... genre goes, but I dug them at the time. <laughs> yeah. I thought they, I thought they were pretty good. But look at how easily we got sidetracked here. My apologies, folks. Uh, but that, that that all goes back to the the fact. What we were talking about um, is that I was I was craving things then at this point that was honoring the Lord. And I was listening then to Christian praise and worship music heavily because it was ministering to my heart, my mind, my soul, and my spirit. It was helping me. It was helping to equip me. Right. And uh, Amy saw this right in front of her eyes. Right. And this was offensive to you on, on actually a couple levels. One, number one, you thought it was phony, which you've alluded to. Right. But then there was probably another reason there, too, oh, yeah. why you were, quote, offended. And, and I think maybe we should explain a little bit more about right. what, what that actually means. When, when you're offended, what are we talking about? Um, well, I mean, I was also offended because I, at that time, was no longer listening to Christian music. I was no longer interested in diving into God's Word and hearing the truth be spoken to me. So the fact that you were listening to it was offensive because on, you know, like you said, on one level, like how dare he tell me what I should listen to? Because for all these years, I listened to this music and he never wanted any part of it. And now he's just trying to show that he's so 
righteous and wonderful and holy and you made the accusation that I thought I was God <laughs> yeah I, I, I several times I said you just think you're God don't you <laughs> um, but I mean reality is that I was not living an obedient life in the Lord and I wasn't doing um, anything that I should have been doing so I didn't want him listening to this music and showing me, pointing me in the direction that I should be walking. So I was offended by that as well. Well, can we say that the gospel itself is offensive? Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I look to friends that are not believers and, you know, in conversations that we have a lot of times, you know, they'll say, well, that's, and they, they might not they may not use the word offensive, but they'll use other words that that really in general means it, they're offended that I would, you know, say those things and think those things. And it's because they don't believe the truth. Well, the truth is very offensive to a wicked and adulterous generation. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you, can, you can see and hear many things uh, on the news or in our entertainment outlets today about people who are so offended at <laughs> the stands Christians take, whether it's uh, against abortion or against celebrating things regarding marriage and families, mm -hmm. uh, the roles we are to play. Uh, they are very offended at what God has said. Right. And, and they, it goes back to their rebellion. They are choosing something that is contrary to God's word. And as a result, they don't want to hear about it. They do not want these things uh, to be said or to be heard. And for you, in this case, you didn't want uh, the message that was contained in those spiritual and, and biblical lyrics uh, floating around in the air so that they'd be entering your ears because it was a matter of conviction. If right. you're hearing that, that's not going to make you feel good about no. your sin. No, it, it didn't make me feel good. And at the time... Um, I knew that, you know, I, w I was running from the Lord. And that the time in particular that Tommy's um, talking about, he's right. We were confined to a hospital room. Our, our son ended up having pneumonia. So we were there for several days due to the, um, the cashew being lodged in his I, bronchial lobe. I actually thought that was, that was a godsend. Not that our son was... Uh, right. dealing with that, but that, you know, the Lord had arranged circumstances where we were forced, forced to, be to be there together, and right. perhaps there might be some breakthrough. That right. was my hope and prayer, of course. Right, that uh, was that not wasn't, mine. That wasn't God's timing. <laughs> right, and I mean, I think during that time, too, you know, other than just the songs and the lyrics, another thing that um, Tommy was doing was listening to sermons, Um and I remember at one point, I mean, I got very angry and I had a, a, a fairly large outburst and just, you know, called him out. Like, what are you doing? Just quit listening to that. I mean, those were my exact words. I was offended by him listening to scripture and to passages. And again, a lot of that went back to... Um, years past, you know, I felt like he wasn't living for the Lord for 10 years. And now he's just going to come into this 
hospital room and all he's going to do is listen to sermons the entire time and I have to listen to these sermons just because this is what he wants. You know, I was offended by that because again, it was God's word. I didn't want to hear the truth. I didn't want him well, I didn't want him leading me in any way because you know, for one, I felt like he had never, you know, stepped up to the plate, so to speak, spiritually and led um, previously in our marriage. So I felt like, how dare he try to, you know, lord over me or lead me now when we're separated? But that yeah. wasn't that wasn't the heart of my offense. The the true part that offended me was the fact that I was hearing godly truths and I knew I was not living for the Lord. I was, I was living wickedly. Um, and I didn't want to hear that what I was doing was wrong. Yeah. Uh, so those things that you were seeing and hearing were convicting. And as a prodigal, uh, we run from conviction. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a good family friend once said, not too long ago, she's running all right. You were, <laughs> you, you were running. I was running. Yeah. Well, um, let's move on to the second question. This one is for Tommy. Reflecting back on the previous 10 years of marriage before our separation and divorce, you were by all accounts an individual who was easily offended. Can you describe your heart condition at the time and how your hidden sins played a role in causing you to so easily become offended and angered at the very ones you were charged with loving and protecting? Uh, well, my heart condition at the time, uh, I think you could describe it as black, uh, cold, calloused, uh, completely hard. Uh, that manifested itself uh, by there being a complete lack of sympathy and understanding. Uh, the times where I did express uh, emotion or sorrow were few and far between. And I don't want to say that I never expressed it, because deep, deep down, I knew and recognized there was something very wrong with what was taking place in in my life and I would fall under deep conviction and it was in those times again they weren't often uh, but you saw uh, some changes in me and it, that's not to say that all ten years of the marriage was a living hell I'll <laughs> say a lot of it was okay for Amy no it, all right. it wasn't all I mean we have three uh, children children yeah so uh, on some levels, some, some things were working, okay, but on many other levels, things weren't, and that was due to my failures and my sin. Uh, and also, I think it's important to, if you, could you give a few examples of, you know, we, like in this question, I was asking um, how you were easily offended and you got so angered. Uh, there were some examples of things that you would participate online, yeah. maybe some forms that angered you, if you want to Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That and, and that was actually in the back of my mind, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm still interested in uh, world events and, and politics and 
uh, how leaders and uh, things that are said uh, can influence and shape our cultural landscapes, our, our politics. And so... Uh, and religious leaders. Religious leaders, yeah. Um, uh, it, it was... It became something that became quite toxic for me um, back in those days because I was consumed and, and, and focused on uh, controversies and finding fault with the opposition, who I felt was the opposition at the time. And to this day, one of the reasons I choose not to uh, spend much time on social media is because of how uh, it was used to feed this appetite I had uh, for just the this, this strife and the anger uh, that Amy was witnessing. So, perfect example, uh, I, I would have my social media feeds, I would be subscribing to different news services so that as soon as I woke up in the morning, I could, I'd wake up, turn on the phone and, oh, there's all the events, things that's happening in the world. Uh, and I was becoming enraged, very thing, first thing in the morning. So I'm starting my day angered because of things really that were out of my hands, out of my control. Uh, my focus at that time should have been on the Lord and uh, how am I going to obey and submit to Him on this day. Uh, rather, the focus was always elsewhere. And uh, you... In the question, you say my my hidden sins, and how this sort of cultivated uh, what was taking place outwardly. And I'll I'll go ahead and say, uh, and this is directed towards men. Although there might be some women who struggle with this issue too, um, we have to be so mindful and careful of what we allow into our homes, what we set before our eyes. Uh, for me, I had been. Uh, and I, I hesitate to use the word addicted because the, with that word, there comes a certain level of unaccountability, I think. It's right. like it was something that was out of, I couldn't help it, right? right? I was choosing to set uh, wicked and horrible things before my eyes. And, you know, nowadays it becomes so easy uh, because we all walk around, uh, most of us anyway, with these mobile devices that you know, two taps away and boom, you're in an adult uh, movie store or video store. Whereas years ago, you had to go to great lengths. And I remember uh, having to go to great lengths to uh, have my appetite fed, fed mm -hmm. yeah, for this type of content. And I'll say for me, um, it was something that um, I dealt with for a long, long time, uh, going back to you know, when I was a young one, uh, middle school years, 13, 14 is when I was first exposed to it. And, uh, and by accident, correct? Well, here's the thing. I, I wasn't intending to see anything, but it, it was presented before me. And as I look back, I, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in uh, the spiritual nature of the battle and... Uh, how the devil uh, can use any and everything to, to thwart God's plans. Mm -hmm. And uh, boy, I was, I was riding my bike one day on a path uh, 
about a half mile from my home. We lived in um, northern Virginia. And uh, <laughs> it was perfectly placed because on this path, they were, there was one part of the path that was concealed. It was around a curve. So if you uh, planted your bike in the middle of that curve, nobody could see you from behind you or in front of you. Mm -hmm. And right there in the middle was a filthy magazine, wide open. It was like it was in pristine condition laying right there. And, uh, you know, I saw it. I was tempted by it. And I picked it up and I hid it uh, because I was curious and I wanted to... Here was uh, quick access to the things that as an adolescent boy I was desiring to see right. 24 hours a day. <laughs> you know, and at the time I didn't see this as uh, wicked sin, mm -hmm. you know, that I should run from. Of course I knew it was bad and I shouldn't be, um, but I, I craved it. And so uh, I hid that and I kept going back to it. Uh, and that's unfortunate. Uh, because that was the starting point of a long pattern of uh, poor choices and bad behavior when it came to what I was setting before my eyes. And as technology advanced, uh, access became, became much easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to the point where, uh, boy, every day this was something that I was uh, choosing to participate in. And it carried over into our marriage, and uh, it was a... It was a very, very hard struggle, and uh, it was it was helping to serve callous my heart and make me insensitive. And again, I'm not going to lay blame squarely at well this magazine that did it <laughs> right, to me. Again, right. I was choosing to put those things before my eyes. Mm -hmm. I was being disobedient, and uh, it was it was very difficult to break. There would be. Uh, a few occasions where I would find temporary victory over it two, three months at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, but then inevitably I would fall into the same patterns of behavior. And uh, towards the very end, right before our pause, was probably the height uh, of my addiction. And I mean, I was, I was uh, turning to it uh, for all of my physical uh, needs. needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, when, when, you're, when you're doing that, you are neglecting your spouse. And so uh, that, that presented another problem in our marriage, yeah. the, the intimacy and closeness that we were supposed to be having. That connectedness was not there because I was having my needs, my physical needs met anyway, somewhere met somewhere else. And I think, I think for those listening, that, that, does, that if you do have a spouse, um, and at the time... Uh, I, I didn't know that this was a problem. I didn't realize what was going on in Tommy's life. Um, but for those out there that maybe do have a spouse that are addicted to pornography, I think it's um, it's very important for you to recognize the signs. Um, like I said, I had no idea that he was struggling with this. I knew that there was something well, wrong. Well, I, I had become quite good at hiding. It was yes. a secret sin. Right. You know? Right. As it often is. Um, but I knew that there was something wrong. I didn't know what, but he treated me much differently, especially towards the end. Um, it was almost as if I was just an object, someone that was just there to meet his needs when he 
you know, needed me. And, um, it, it, it was, he, he was, he was very, very callous and, um, unloving, um, just, and not just towards me. I, I saw this, uh, it was almost like a hatred of women. That, that was not true. That, that's not well, how it, he, it was a disrespect. It was a lack of appreciation. Yes. I, I, I lacked a godly perspective on how I should view the opposite sex. Right. But I think that that was, and I'm, again, I'm not blaming it on pornography, but it was due to the things that you were putting into your body. The things that you were seeing was causing you to have a lack of respect for Well, it was shaping, it was shaping my perceptions. Right. Yeah. Uh, Next question. This, this goes to Amy. Uh, how did the walls you erected as a result of my behavior in word and deed hinder the process of restoration and reconciliation? Well, I erected walls and... Uh, Actually, I, I'll say I helped you build those walls <laughs> a, as the husband who was living in sin for, for 10 years. All right, so I, I don't want to uh, lay that solely on you when we say that you know you you built the walls well it was a it was a joint effort I think yeah mm-hmm. yeah I I agree I agree with that I think from the poor decisions and and bad behaviors I mean that did help erect um, the wall from how we had lived in our previous marriage um, but at this point I I had erected walls and I was not allowing you um, really, I wasn't allowing any grace. I wasn't accepting of an apology. Um, you had become the enemy. And so, you know, it hindered the process of restoration because I wasn't even allowing Well, there was no opening. There was right? no There was no opening. room for the Holy Spirit to, to no. creep in there and to prick your heart. Right. I had put these walls up around me and in every way possible, I was protecting myself. You know, I I was telling myself, well, he has to abide by these boundaries and all of these boundaries are in place. And really in my mind, um, I allowed these boundaries to not allow the Holy Spirit in. I mean, no, there was no room for grace, mercy, forgiveness, tenderheartedness, loving. I mean, yeah, it's funny what these boundaries actually did. And these uh, erecting these boundaries was actually came uh, about partly due to advice you'd been given by Christian counseling. Right. All right. So uh, that was hard for me to reconcile because I was seeing them being built. And especially, you know, because there was no physical harm. There was no, you know, he, he was not abusive physically towards me or our children, um, in any way. And, um, so there were no type, I mean, really there should have, there shouldn't have been any type of, you know, boundaries that there were so many rules put in place that he was not allowed to do this or that or, you know, and all of those were man-made boundaries. They weren't allowing, you know, God to come into our marriage. They weren't allowing, um, 
they weren't allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me and to allow me to be open. Uh, I had no vulnerability at all. Like, and, and that's part of it. I think you feel like, well, I was vulnerable, you know, to him for 10 years and we lived together. And so now I'm not going to be vulnerable in any way. Um, he, there is no way I'm allowing him back in because he's not going to hurt me again. And he wasn't trying to hurt me then. He was trying to help our marriage and he was trying to change. Um, but I, you know, I saw that in a much different light, mainly because I wasn't living for the Lord. It's, it's almost as though on some levels those boundaries were created solely to allow you to continue uh, unfettered on the path that you were on. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, and and there's, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. It's you typically, you know, when we look just in generalities, when you isolate yourself or you have what we've been referring to as hidden sins, you do that so you don't have accountability. Well, hidden to man, God sees all of them, exactly. We should also say. Yeah, yeah, right. And and you do that so there's no accountability, so that um, you know. And I was creating these boundaries so that you couldn't say, "Well, let's work through this and let's you know let's try to." to see where God is in all this. No, I'm not allowing God in. I'm not allowing you in. I'm not allowing anyone in. And it was kind of a, a way of protecting me so that I could continue living in sin. Um, and I, I didn't have to, you know, abide by the reconciliation and restoration that was biblical and what I should have been running towards. That is actually what I was running. I was running away instead. Um, let's move on to the next question. This is um, for Tommy. During the course of our journey, when I was running, were there times when you were offended at the behavior you were witnessing, and how were you able to cope? Well, uh, I've got a few things I can probably point to. And I, I will say for me at the time, this was when the Lord, uh, I, I was really taking the Lord seriously and I was living for him because he had broken me and I was beginning to detest the things that he hated and embrace the things that he loved. So I was seeing behavior in Amy that I knew was was wrong. And uh, if you're listening, perhaps you're seeing some of these same things in your uh, prodigal. Uh, I saw pride, arrogance, Definitely stubbornness. Okay. Um, Some of these you still see. <laughs> Strong-willed. Uh, it's a good personality you have, and I think it brings balance uh, to our marriage. Uh, Self-righteousness. Um, yeah, and I, w I, was, I was put off by those things. I mean, it really irritated me when I saw them. Uh, and... Uh, the Lord really had to help me not um, hold them against you too much. I mean, I had to recognize that you were bound by sin, you were taken captive, and I, I shouldn't be surprised by what I was seeing. Yeah, and let me just say, I flaunted these in front of you. I mean, I 
you know, it wasn't like, oh, she, she seems to be a little stubborn today. No, you know, when, when I was not living for the Lord, um, are you saying you were intentionally I was intentionally stubborn just to stick it to me? Oh, absolutely. To make a point? Yeah. I, to make a point, I was, I was very stubborn, um, or just prideful, the, the self-righteous attitude that I kind of took on. Um, so I and I'm not, those. I'm not saying this about you, although you might say it of yourself. Uh, certainly some of our listeners might see it in others, but there was a, a, a puffed up oh, uh, perception, uh, that you'll witness where mm-hmm. it's like they're, they're standing in judgment over any and everything that you do. It's like they're, they're the judge, jury, and executioner, and, uh, they are looking and examining everything that you do. And they are just at a moment's notice ready to pounce all over you because <laughs> like they so are much. right. They are the right ones. Right, right. Yeah, I mean... And, it, and they're like, not going to hear anything else. No, and so what's happening is that a lot of times um, I was laser focused on all the things that you were doing wrong because if I could point to you, you know, that that shines no light on me and I don't have to be accountable for my actions. I was directing all of the focus on you as to not have to look inward yeah. at, at my sinfulness. Yeah. Well, and I was guilty of the same thing, you know, prior to the pause. Uh, you know, when we do that, uh, we're able to avoid accountability. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, in, in terms of how uh, I was able to cope the Lord helped me greatly at that time. But there's verses such as uh, Colossians 2, 13 to 14 that uh, helped serve to remind me of what the Lord did for me in looking past my sins and the gift of eternal life that He's given uh, to us. Uh, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And that verse, along with others, are a reminder uh, of the gift that was given to me and what Christ has done for me. And that is an example and model for how we are to live. And um, that that really helped me look at you differently, uh, to know that I'm not going to hold these things against you. I'm not going to allow them to uh, cause me to erect walls that would mm-hmm. potentially uh, Hinder cause there to be a hindrance to reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I can, I, I think that that is important to point out. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I really saw you doing that. And over time, you know, that, that, puffed up, well, look at, you know, look at me, and um, I'm so great, and I'm going to point out all of the wrongs in him, and he's doing this wrong, and that wrong, and, you know, over time, um, that quit having an effect on you. You know, I would mention these things to you, or I would try to push your buttons, or, or poke the bear, so to speak, and, and it, it quit working. You wouldn't get easily angered you wouldn't have anything bad to say in, in return to me um, or in response to me. And so over time, I could see that, 
wow, okay, he really is changing because I know in previous years I could say this and it would strike something in him. Um, and now, you know, he's, he's just, he's listening. Um, he's not getting angry. And in fact, he's actually telling me he's, he's praying for me and he still loves me no matter how sinful I am, or I shouldn't say sinful, um, but he loves me no matter how I treat him. His response was always to respond in love um, and in service towards me. The next question, how can we recognize in our own lives if we have fallen prey to the sin of offense? And what does that actually look like? Well, I think we've kind of touched on that, the lack of self-examination when we're not looking inward. Well, we become, bl- we become blind. You come blind to, to it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the first things that we should do before we throw these accusations or accuse others. Point the fingers of blame. Yep. We need to look into our own hearts and say, why is this making me so angry? Why am I so offended? We need to look to our hearts to see and ask the Lord to help us see when we can't, because there are times where we're completely blinded. You know, still to this day, we are both blinded sometimes to our own sinful ways. And so Tommy will lovingly come to me um, and I try to lovingly go to him and say, hey, I know you might not be seeing this, but this is what I'm seeing. But now the way that we communicate that to each other looks very differently from how it looked in previous years because I think that there truly is that examination of self. Um, I know for me, I like to take time. I don't, you know, if I see something that he's doing, I don't immediately go to him. I pray. I ask the Lord for wisdom and then I'll approach him. And I think that, you know, we, we just, we wanted to accuse in in times past. Um, And now I feel like that we, we work really hard to look at ourselves first. It it is, it is hard work. It continues to be hard work, especially not to apply motive uh, to the other person. We think we have them figured out and we know, we know really why they did or said <laughs> uh, something, yeah. you know, that uh, ha- has bothered us. But, you know, another thing we ask, what does that actually look like? It's an avoidance of interaction uh, with individuals we have issues with. So, whereas some people might get into a heated argument, uh, there might be some couples uh, who have taken to uh, the silent treatment mm-hmm. with regards to how they're going to deal with their spouse. Yeah, like passive-aggressive behaviors. Oh, my even. goodness. And <laughs> I, I can probably tell you, if you've experienced this, that I, I would go so far as to say this might be worse, Right. you know, the passive-aggressive behavior, because it also puts you in a position of power over the other person. Mm -hmm. You know, you're withholding something. You know that they're seeking uh, some type of resolution and you just are not allowing it at all. You're being cold and calloused. You are not addressing it. So you have all the power at this point. And it doesn't just manifest itself there, you know, when it comes to other relationships. You know, here we go talking about social media again. But, uh, you know, 
when I was on it, I would be guilty of defriending somebody who said something that I didn't like, or maybe I had an interaction with them uh, that, that bothered me. I became offended at what I saw and heard, and so as a result, oh, guess what? I'm going to defriend you. That's a passive-aggressive right. behavior there. Yeah, I'm not allowing you uh, this access to me at this point, all right? And it was because there was some underlying offense that had no basis in reality for the most part. Right. Um, so, I mean, that that's just another way. Yeah, avoidance is, in, and, and that can cause more issues, you know, um, just, and a lot of times I know in the past with us, I would be upset about something or Tommy would be upset about something and we would just expect the other one to know. Well, he should know that I'm offended. He should know what he said or did to me. Um, and, and likewise, you know, with, with you. And that's not, that's not fair to your spouse. They can't be in your head. You can't expect them to know that you, they know your thoughts. They, they're not mind readers. And so it's so important that we communicate. It really, it really is so ridiculous. I'm going to be <laughs> mad and offended at you for not knowing what's in my head. When <laughs> right. in most occasions, I don't even know what's in my head. <laughs> yeah, Yet I'm expecting exactly. you to. Exactly. So, I mean, that really is important just to, to communicate, to communicate well with your spouse um, and your prodigal. Um, and you know, there were times that I said things that were hurtful to Tommy and he might not let me know right then, but there were several occasions that he let me know. Um, one that you're all probably familiar with if you've been following for a while, um, that we had our son's birthday party and I purposely planned it so that he couldn't come. Now, did he know that I purposely planned it so he didn't come? I'm sure he assumed that. And his I, assumptions I, were correct. Well, I, I knew what you were doing. <laughs> right. Um, I, I knew your treachery. I, I didn't come out and say that, but he did let me know this is very hurtful. Um, he let me know on occasions where I was just outright uh, mean, you know, just downright mean-hearted, uh, mean-spirited. He would let me know, hey, this is really hurtful. And what that did is that actually helped prick my heart. I mean, and he said it in a loving way and he communicated it to me in a way that wasn't to further anger me. But, you know, when, when he was um, hurt and deeply hurt because of my sinful behaviors, there were times he let me know that. And when I did realize um, what I was doing, you know, I think that that's what helped bring me back to the Lord because I started becoming aware of how I was allowing Satan to use me. And um, I, I, I mean, I, I do think that it's important to point that out. Uh, the, the communication is so important, even with your prodigal. If your prodigal is allowing you um, access to you and you can communicate there are very effective ways that you can still communicate in a loving way. I, I, would, I would say that if there is no communication, you are likely guilty of the sin of offense. You have allowed that to creep in. Um, some communication is going to be out of your control. I mean, I'm not talking about those who have 
gone to lengths, to great lengths, to communicate with their prodigal, right. and there's been no response. Right. What we're saying is that if you're the one controlling the gates, basically, and not right. allowing the communication to take place, then you have been offended. Right. 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 Uh, next question. When we look at Scripture and examine what it has to say about being offended, what are some passages we can point to that provide guidance as it relates to how we should model our behavior? And I've asked that question. I'll go ahead and deal with the first one. Uh, and I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read this because there's a couple things I want to uh, point out with regards to this story, uh, specifically the brother's behavior. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Uh, go ahead and turn to Luke 15, 11 through 32. And I'll just go ahead and start reading this here. And he said there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found." You know, as, as we read this story, I'm struck by 
uh, many elements, but particularly the behavior of that other brother, who for all intents and purposes had his brother basically dead. He was in a far country. He had taken to riotous living. Uh, he was basically a goner. Mm -hmm. And he didn't rejoice at all. You see a great contrast between the father's behavior and that son's behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, rather, that brother was offended by what he saw as an injustice at that moment. Here, he was the one who was deserving of the parties and the gifts. Right. And his brother, who had been living in sin, all those things were being uh, given to him. And it seemed unfair to the brother. Uh, and, I, and I wonder what sort of relationship that brother had. And this is just a story, it's a parable, of course, but if, you, if it were to have been played out, what type of relationship would the brothers have had from that point on? Mm -hmm. uh, I sort of think that that uh, other brother would have just continued to resent him, right? Right. And uh, take issues with the fact that his father found favor and was welcoming him back. And um, if, you're, if you're in a situation where maybe your prodigal is starting to come home, you may wrestle with this feeling that God, they did all these things out there. Uh, maybe they had an affair, they committed adultery, and now they're saying they're wrong and they're coming back. And you're... Uh, you're having a hard time getting past that. Maybe part of you thinks they don't deserve your mercy, your right. grace, or forgiveness. But we look at this story and we see the behavior of the Father. Yes, they absolutely do, because this is what Jesus did for us. He looked past those things mm -hmm. and He forgave us. Uh, if your prodigal has come to you and said, I'm sorry, I should not have done this. Please take me back. Do not allow pride to... Uh, reign in your heart or for this offense, this sin of offense to take root and grow so as to erect a wall that would prevent reconciliation. Right. There is a real danger in that. Uh, it's careful to not be prideful. We ourselves are guilty of, of many sins. Your, your prodigal is as well. But unforgiveness and pride, mm. that's pretty severe. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's try to put things into perspective. And that's not in alignment with God's word. I mean, the whole the whole Bible is a book of reconciliation, of redemption and, and for, uh, redemption and forgiveness that's mm -hmm. woven uh, into the entire Bible. Yeah. yeah. What's the next one? Um, the next verse is Hebrews 12:14 and 15. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That's a good verse. Uh, next one we have is Ephesians 4, 31-32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. What's the next verse? We've got 1 Peter 2, 23. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not re retaliate. 
When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We are familiar with some of the things in this particular passage, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, and sorcery. But there are a few things mentioned there that are related to the sin of offense and walls that we erect. And uh, they're plain as day, really, if you just uh, read this. Uh, enmity, dissensions, dissensions divisions, rivalries. Ri rivalries. That, that's right. And there's a warning there. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, you know, we can say that uh, the sin of offense is, is quite severe. I mean, we'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, uh, that's pretty serious. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it can get more serious than that. No, no. But uh, those, those words that were mentioned there, that's what we're dealing with when we talk about the sin of offense. That's basically erecting those walls of division. Mm -hmm. uh, Keeping and, people out. Right, and not allowing there to be a, a healing right. or a wholeness right. or a reconciliation. We all can be affected mentally, spiritually, and emotionally by the sin of offense. It is a sinful emotion having its roots in the flesh. It's derived from an indwelling of hate, which the Bible likens to murder. No one can have peace and happiness with such emotions tearing at him. With this spirit reigning in your heart and mind, Peace and true happiness will forever escape you. Your heart will constantly be empty and desiring a feeling that will never come. If you've been overcome by the spirit and sin of offense, commit to asking God to forgive you right now. He will deliver you from the power of the enemy and put a new spirit in your heart. If you have made your best effort to forgive and forget the offending actions that have come from your spouse, and find that you cannot, give this matter completely over to God. He can help you to cleanse your memory and free your mind of the chains of hurt and resentment. As Hebrews 8 reminds us of God's willingness to remember our sins no more, so too must we be of the same spirit. Do not let offense to reign and rule in your heart and mind. Rather, be filled with patience, long-suffering, and forgiveness. This will go a long way in helping pave the road to restoration. Uh, before we get to our prayer request, I did want to mention a resource which uh, actually was shared uh, to me years ago, and it was, a great, uh, it was a great aid in my understanding of uh, what offenses are and how important it is to not let these things be built. In our own lives. It was a message by a pastor named John Bevere, and he's actually an author too. He wrote a book called The Bait 
of Satan. And we're providing a link here uh, for you all to click on and, and hopefully view. And I should preface this by saying uh, there may be things that we share with our uh, listening audience uh, that are of benefit to you. This is not necessarily an, an endorsement of any and right. everything one particular ministry might uh, espouse. Uh, but in this particular case, uh, I found it to be uh, very uh, uplifting. It was biblical. Uh, it was grounded in truth. And I think it would be worth uh, listening to that. and watching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. if this is something that you're dealing with. So ch check that out if you, if you get the opportunity. Well, now is the time in our show when we want to mention and pass along some prayer requests that have been sent to us. And again, we do this with the intent of helping to build an army of prayer warriors who can join you in this spiritual battle for your marriage. Uh, and as a reminder, if you have a specific request that you would like to have mentioned on our show, please email us at prayer at purposedmarriage.org and be sure to put in the subject line, on-air prayer. All right? So we have a request by John C., who writes, Please pray for my marriage that my wife Rhoda and I discover our true identity in Christ Jesus and align our lives, marriage, according to the will of the Father. Well, thank you for sending in this request, John. It's so important that Christ be the foundation of our marriage. Uh, we build our marriages on sinking sand if we fail to do this. Audience, please pray for John and Rhoda. Our next request comes from Keith A., who shares that he was sent divorce papers in February by his wife, who is convinced she is on the right path because God has not brought back the feelings she once had for her husband. Keith is torn right now over whether or not to sign the papers as a way to allow his wife to discover the false liberation of divorce for herself or to not sign for fear of going against God's will. Let us pray for Keith and his wife, Ashley. Pray God breaks his spirit of deception that is reigning in her heart right now. And then for Keith, Pray that the Lord grants him wisdom in the decisions he's about to make and that he follows God's will and leading as he navigates these troubled waters. A few other general requests I'd like to share uh, based on communications we've received. And these are all fairly common as it relates to what we see in troubled marriages. Let us all pray the Lord will deliver our prodigals from the spirit of anger, bitterness, addiction to substances, social media, and relationships outside the marriage. Uh, also pray the Lord will make us humble as we continue in our stand and to not be tempted to spiritually puff ourselves up as we contrast our behavior with our spouses. And this is easy to do when our prodigals have gone astray. God, once again, we thank you for this time. We ask you right now that you forgive us if we have allowed the spirit of offense to creep into our lives. Lord, this poison puts a barrier between ourselves and you. Help us all to recognize when this spirit attempts to take root in our lives. 
God, may our hearts be filled with love, compassion, and mercy, and not give in to the temptations that come in so naturally. Give us the strength to fight the flesh and win this battle for our hearts and mind. Lord, for our spouses who have gone astray, uh, please turn their hearts back towards you. And even in this time of great confusion and uncertainty, use these circumstances to direct their eyes back to you and your word. Help them to turn away from the path that they are on. Help them to see that true joy and fulfillment only comes from staying in your perfect will, Lord. As we close today, we ask you grant us strength and perseverance as we stay in this fight. Place in our hearts the desire to cling to your word and your truth, which is the only truth. Lord, in all our ways, may we acknowledge and bring glory to you. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. We hope and pray it strengthens and further equips you to remain committed to your marriage, no matter the condition or circumstances. For more information and links to resources from our ministry, be sure to follow us on social media and through our official blog at purposedmarriage.org. If you have questions about standing for your marriage and desire to learn more about how to live biblically during times of trial and heartache, please reach out to us via email. The address is contact at purposedmarriage.org. Until our next broadcast, may God continue to strengthen and encourage as you pursue a Christ-honoring and purposed marriage.